Hello and welcome to the Top Water Podcast. Another one-sided match at the Cricket World Cup overnight, but maybe not the result we were expecting, Baldy. England, Afghanistan, Delhi, all coming up right after this. Baldy, massive, massive upset overnight at the Cricket World Cup. We've had England, uh, Afghanistan beat England. Is this the biggest World Cup history? Uh, Upset in World Cup history? Well, it's certainly one of. I've been fumbling for superlatives all morning, Stu. I've been up for about an hour and a half looking through results of Rugby World Cup, of Cricket World Cup, and I, I couldn't find the right uh, superlatives to describe the, the momentous occasion that is Afghanistan beating England uh, in surely one of, if not the greatest upset in the history of, of World Cups. I mean, you go back, Ireland... England 2011, Ireland-Pakistan, that famous game in 2007, Kenya beating the West Indies in, in 1996, and then you go all the way back to Zimbabwe beating Australia in the 1983 edition of the World Cup, you know, that side featuring Lily and Thompson and so forth. But for Afghanistan to beat the defending reigning champions... Uh, Tied champions. <clears throat> trophy holders you put the, put that you can put the asterisks on it if you want to Stuart I'll allow I'll, I'll allow that rating defending holding champions to go down to Afghanistan this is the most significant moment in the history of Afghanistan cricket and probably the greatest day uh barring marriage and birth of children in the lives of any of those young Afghani cricketers um Huge earthquake in Afghanistan this week. A country looking for, um, mm. looking for solace, looking for joy, and their team has provided it to them in spades. They should be so so proud of themselves. I'm so excited. I'm so excited, not because England lost the game, but because Afghanistan put together not a complete performance, but a performance that was worthy of of victory against a, a great England side. I've got a stat for you that uh, I won't take any credit for. I saw it. Uh, Nick Friend posted it on Twitter. This is the 43rd country that Muhammad Nabi has beaten in international cricket. How about that? That is outstanding. That is absolutely <laughs> outstanding. That was his 150th game, I think, last night. Um, a couple of Afghanistan players rocked up some some milestones in that game. And yeah, to beat 43 countries, just incredible. That's an incredible stat. <laughs> Yeah, staggering. I thought that was that was really really good. But I mean, let's go back to the the start of the game. Then uh, England decides to bowl first, basically uh, for no reason at all, apart from the fact that they wanted to chase. Uh, and I guess when you do that, you run the risk of the opposition putting up a a good score and and uh, and putting yourself under pressure. And and that's exactly what Afghanistan did. They came out. Uh, absolutely flying. England came out incredibly sloppy. First ball, Wokes bowls it down the leg side. Butler surely should have taken that. You know, it wobbled a little bit, but very, very sloppy. It did wobble a bit. Yeah, very, very. Yeah, it, it, England, England were uncharacteristically poor early, I thought. Uh, I watched the first 10 overs of that game live, and I, I just wonder if, if I don't know if it's if it's an England thing, but occasionally you see the first ball of a game set the tone for England, for a, for a particular match, sometimes even a series. Um, let's hope that's not the case for this England one-day side. But certainly that that wayward delivery from Wokes uh, caused some issues early on. I, I think that I think they've got concerns for Wokes. We'll come back to Wokes' form in a little bit. Mm -hmm. But uh, let's not take away any credit from 
Afghanistan's intent and approach early on in that game. Gerbats and Ibrahim uh, are the engine room of that Afghanistan batting lineup. We talked about it in the preview of the show. If Afghanistan were going to get big runs in this tournament, they had to get massive contributions from those two at the top of the order, and they delivered in spades. They were ferocious on any width that England offered. England offered plenty of width mm. from Wokes' early doors. I actually thought Reese Topley bowled you know, pretty well in his first two or three overs. Yep. I thought he swung the ball a little bit. He kept the ball quite tight to both batters. But when Wokes offered width, they were both absolutely ferocious in their pursuit of that, and they just smashed them through the offside. I thought it was like watching a middleweight boxer. You know, that perfect combination of power and speed uh, through the hands. That were They were just fantastic. Gerbats in particular, he was just awesome through the offside. And you can't give width to international quality batters. They will destroy you. And with all the, all the fielders up, uh, England were on the back foot. And it took them a while to adjust. It took them a while to put the deep point back, bring the third man up. Then they started running the ball. It, look, it was just a, a fantastic first 10 or 15 overs for Afghanistan to get them through to 100 without loss. Yeah, I mean, Gerbats Gerbet, in particular, he's just fearless. Eh? He just plays with such freedom. He goes out there. I mean, I guess this this... This isn't really a surprise that he does that. Like you said, we talked about him a little bit in the preview. We, you know, we've seen him now in the IPL. He is only twenty one, which is still kind of yeah, kind of staggering. But you know, like he scored a hundred in the warm up against Sri Lanka, scored forty seven in the opening game against Bangladesh, scored twenty one against India, and now eighty off fifty seven balls. I think the thing is with with Afghanistan is that because they got so you know comfortably beaten by India in their last game, you sort of forget the fact that they put up 270 against that bowling attack. So, you know, it's not like they're a side that, that can't score runs. They they certainly can do that. And, I mean, yeah, they just what they were 100 for none after in the 13th over, I think. Gerbats was, was smashing it all over the place. And, yeah, it, really, it looked like they could pile on, you know, they ended up on 280, but it looked like they were going to score a lot more than that at, at various points in that inning. Yeah, a couple of sliding doors moments in this innings. Uh, firstly, the the kind of dismissal of Zedran in that 16th over just started to put the brakes on a little bit. They sort of lost two for 10 um, and end up being three for 10 when Gerbats was run out. And to me, that was the first real sliding doors moment of this match, because if we know anything about the Afghanistan team, it's that they're heavily dependent on their top four for runs. And there was an opportunity there for England, having worked their way back into the match, you know, from 100 for none to now 120 for three. If England were to take control, rest control of the game, they really had to then go and run through the middle order for Afghanistan and have them, they could have had them all out 170, 180 at that point, right? There, there was an opportunity there for uh, for England to run the slate pretty much and, and to be only chasing, you know, a maximum of 210, 215, which is what they got anyway. Um, and I think that would have been a cakewalk for them. But as it was, you know, there was a bit of resistance in there, a couple of good partnerships, and they managed to work their way up towards 280. Yeah, and, they, and I guess England probably did that, to be fair. They got it to 190 for six, you know, Rashid Livingston wrote kind of the spinners came in and, and did a really nice job. But I think what what's we've seen it a little bit in this World Cup. Some sides gone have gone out hard and really set themselves uh, you know, got them off to got themselves off to flyers. 
other sides have taken their time to build up in that first 10. They sort of haven't viewed it as the let's go out and, and get as much as we can while the field's up. They've kept wickets in hand. Afghanistan did both, but what uh, Gerbats's innings kind of gave them is it gave them the opportunity to when they lost those wickets to actually take their time. So Ikram mm. Ali Keel was able to, you know, just dig in for a little bit, build a little bit of momentum for himself, and then ends up getting 50 off, you know, 50 odd off 60 odd balls. So, you know, kind of catches up a little bit at the end. Mujib and Rashid come in some cameos and suddenly you're up to 280 and it's a very competitive score. A hundred percent agree. And I think that's the, the failing of a lot of the other middle orders of this world cup is that I think players are forgetting that you can take five overs to rebuild your innings. Yeah. You, you can take 10 or 15 or 20 balls to get yourself set in an, in an encounter, particularly when, you know, if it's a little bit up and down or if it's a little bit sticky or whatever to get the pace of the pitch, because every international cricketer now can catch up. Every one of them can, mm. can go from, you know, 10 off 20 to 50 or 40 if they need to, you know, and, and it's no surprise that having taken the opportunity to rebuild their innings a little bit, as you say, from 120 for three, having lost three for eight, and then 190 for six, having lost, you know, those two wickets of Shahidi and, and Muhammad Nabi, to then build again um, through some great partnerships. I thought the contributions from the spinners in, with the bat, Rashid and, and Majib, to bat with an established player, um, at least Rashid did to build back their innings was was so important to not just the confidence of the batting unit but the bowling unit as well to give them something to bowl at and that they could then go out and then Afghanistan could be attacking with the ball have slip fielders in have catches in place try and take wickets so um, huge huge um, contributions from from that tail they can't be understated and before we move to the uh, Afghanistan bowling effort, England's batting effort. Should we have the the England seamer conversation? Because uh, uh, I mean, I look a lot. Afghanistan's going to get a lot of praise out of this, but I think a lot of the conversation will also be about you know England and and their struggles and and what's going on for them. And and I mean, we just talked about the the England spinners. England spinners. I did run some stats on this game, just this game in particular. Ninety four for five off twenty four overs from the from their spinners. Wokes and Curran, four overs each, eight overs, none for 87. And uh, if you look at this whole tournament even, Chris Wokes has 135 for two off 18 overs, going at 7.5 and over. Sam Curran, 140 for two off 17.2, going at eight and over. So there's some big problems there for England, isn't there? Huge, huge problems in their swing bowling department. And it's not the area that we thought would be a weakness, a challenge for them. We had a look at that at that lineup in, in the preview to the World Cup, and we thought, you know, that's one of the strongest swing bowling attacks that are going around. And if you think about England's strength, it's to be able to swing the ball early. And there was some swing there, mm. but it, it just so happened that, that Woke started so poorly that it allowed both batters to get away to get a couple of shots under their belt and get some confidence. And then after that, they were able to go through the line and, and hit deliveries that maybe weren't quite there to be hit. Um, they, they did get away with a little bit. There was one that could have gone to to hand to Joe Root, I think, in the gully mm. that that probably was a was a tough chance um, and just didn't quite pick it up. It was hit pretty ferociously, as we said. 
Um, but this this challenge of of swing bowlers getting a bit of tap early doors is is not just England's problem. It's a problem for a lot of sides in this World Cup. Uh, we've seen lots of spin attacks perform particularly well. Um, we think about India. We think about uh, New Zealand's spin attacks done very well. Even England's spin attack here has has done very well. Yeah. Um, I, I think they're going to start thinking about well, we like having Mark Wood bowl in those in those middle overs, but maybe we need to have a little bit of Mark Wood early before the batters are set. And I think they need to think about well, do we get a little bit more? from our side by having Mo Ali in that, in that bowling unit. And I know they've got lots out of Liam Livingston, you know, one for 33 off his 10. That's the first time he's bowled 10 overs in an ODI. He was excellent. Uh, partic- yep. Yep. First time he's bowled 10 overs, I believe in an ODI. Uh, I could be wrong there, but I think I, I heard that stat on the, on the commentary. They just need, they need just need to get something out of either Curran or Wokes. I thought Reese Topley was good. I mean, it looks like he's gone for almost six and over in the stat line, but his yeah. first two overs were accurate. They they held the batters in check. If they could get something from the other end, they, I think they would have been in a good position. Yeah, and I think they must be. They're gonna have to think pretty hard about David Willey as well. Obviously, someone who's been in and around the squad, always sort of done a, a, a good job. They've got Gus Atkinson in the mix as well. Yeah, Mo Ali. They've they've got some options. You know, Ben Stokes sitting on the sideline, although we we don't think he's going to bowl. But look, we should uh, we should now talk about uh, England's batting. I think and and particularly Afghanistan's bowling probably as well. 280, we saw the other day, as I said, India chased that down in 35 overs against Afghanistan. They were able to do it very comfortably. I'm sure England sort of looked at that score and went, okay, 280's been quite easy to chase down in this World Cup so far. We're in business. But straight away, Afghanistan, Faruqi gets Besto, Mujib skids one through Root. That was a cracker. And then, uh, you know, Nabi beats Milan in, in flight. 60, 63 or 64 for three and uh it's game on absolutely let's let's break that down a little bit because as poor as england were early with the ball i thought afghanistan were were excellent um i, I have to say though that that leg stump on drs is a bit like grandma's 90 it's covering everything at the moment <laughs> there are a lot there are a lot of lbws get given out hitting that leg stump it's it's do you remember when Mark Taylor was out of form in the 90s and he was presented with a bat that was about a metre wide getting off the bus in England by a reporter? <laughs> yes. I reckon it's the same with that leg stump. That <laughs> leg stump is a, is a very, very wide leg stump on, on DRS. Look, Johnny Bairstow, I think, could probably be forgiven for being a, a, a little bit unlucky there. Um, but certainly the Afghanistan bowlers were were absolutely on fire. Let's talk about about spin a little bit because the the delivery from Majib that got Joe Root, mm. yes, it kept a little bit low, and I think it's probably fair to say that that wicket did a little bit when England batted second time around. It 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 was a little bit up and down. There were a couple that kept low, but Afghanistan put the pressure on by bowling accurately. They bowled at the stumps. They had attacking fielders in place, and when it does a little bit in the subcontinent, and you're on the money. You get the rewards. And, you know, Mujib, Mohammed Nabi, Rashid Khan, experts at exploiting those kinds of advantages. And they were, again, outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, that, I think I said it before. When when you put the other opposition in, you run the, this is what the, you run the risk of, right? You, you run the risk of putting yourself under some pressure. You lose some early wickets. And a spin attack like those three with, you know, truckloads of experience... 
around the world and in all sorts of different leagues. I think in, in a case like this, the T20 experience helps them an extraordinary amount because of the way that they know how important dots are and they can just build up some dots. And as soon as they did that, they're building that pressure. Remarkable when you look through that England uh, batting lineup, the batting card, the strike rates. I think only Harry Brook in the, and then Reese Topley and, and Adil Rashid at the end are over 85 strike rate. So, you know, that's just something you do not expect from this England side. Afghanistan were able to build up pressure, build up pressure, and then, uh, you know, just pick up wickets along the way when, when England tried to, to hit out. Or actually, even a lot of the times, it wasn't even England hitting out. It was England getting castled or, you know, just, yeah, getting getting bogged down and, and sort of yeah getting bogged down on the crease. I mean, you, you know how much I, I love a, a through the gate and hit the poles. And honestly, uh, you know, even the seamers, Naveen's one to, to Butler. That was that was very nice. Majib does it again. It's... Yeah, it was it was very very good to watch, um, you know, from an Afghanistan point of view, but from a neutral point of view as well. Oh, look, the the neutral in me is so excited for Afghanistan to be successful on the World Cup stage. I mean, you know, particularly given recent events in that country from a natural disaster point of view. I didn't mind that England took their time to try and get back into the game. I mean, we just talked about it in the Afghanistan innings, right? You, yeah, it's okay fair. to be it's okay to be like 11 off 17, 9 off 18, 10 off 14, 10 off 23, 9 off 26, if you then go on to be 50 off 60, yeah. you know, as or, or 60 off 60 as, as Harry Brook, you know, went and did it, right? Um, but England needed at least one, if not two of those middle order guys to stand up alongside Harry Brook, put a partnership together. And I think that would have put the cat amongst the pigeons as far as, as, far as England's batting were concerned, because... One big partnership in that game is all that re- was really going to take. But they didn't have a big partnership, you know, 30, 30, 30, 20, th- 20, 30. <laughs> and then it started <laughs> to fall away. Here. So, yeah, so they, 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 got, they got little partnerships all the way along. But, but Afghanistan did such a good job to hold their nerve and attack and attack and attack England, particularly with their spinners that they they didn't fall into that trap of, okay, there's a partnership building here. We're just going to try and restrict it. We're just going to try and dry the runs up a little bit. I mean, they were able to do that. You have a look at the dot ball counts for all of their spinners in particular, and they're excellent. You know, 50% or more mm. uh, dot balls from the three spinners. And, you know, even though Faruqi and Naveen went at sevens, their spinners were so good that they were able to put pressure on at least from one end. and that, And that was really England's undoing. Look, I think we've probably uh, talked in, in enough. I mean, there's not really much more to say about uh, that innings because Afghanistan controlled it so well. As you said, you know, 160 for seven, 169 for eight. It, it was all over very, you know, reasonably early into that into that innings, the way that they controlled things. What does this mean for the tournament now, though? We, You know, we've got England, South Africa next, which, you know, shapes as an absolutely huge match for England. Afghanistan has New Zealand next, and if they can pull out another performance like that against us, I, I very much hope they don't, but if they do, then, you know, that's going to throw the, the tournament absolutely wide open. What, you know, what is what about that England-South Africa match, I think, in, in, uh, in what that means for this tournament? Oh, this tournament is now wide open because you have a look at the two semi-final contenders going into this tournament, Pakistan and England, have have both lost games in the in their first three. 
And that's really made this tournament very, very interesting from a table perspective. As you say, Stuart, England's slate of games coming up, South Africa, Sri Lanka, and India. Huge, huge games for England. Mm. England now at one and two are in a similar position to Australia. They must win five out of the next six, I reckon, to be able to, to be genuine semi-final contenders, which means they can't slip up against South Africa and India. They certainly can't slip up against Sri Lanka. Um, and their last game against Pakistan will be a game that I think will go a long way to determining whether or not England or Pakistan get into the semi-finals. So it's it's all to play for. It's actually opened up Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Australia. It's opened the door for those sides if they can win through three or four games on the trot to get themselves in contention for that top four. Mm. It certainly does favours for India and New Zealand who are who are thus far undefeated. Um, as you say, England. Uh, sorry, New Zealand have got Afghanistan next, and then India. Afghanistan are going to be riding high from this game. They're not going to fear New Zealand. They're certainly not going to fear New Zealand's pace attack, having dismantled England's pace attack. So mm. it'll be a fantastic game on the 18th of October, watching those two go at it. And then Eng- uh, India play Bangladesh on the 19th. And, and that's going to be an exciting game because those two sides always come together and, and have fiery encounters. So this, this tournament is shaping up as being just superb. Um, looking forward to tomorrow's match. Australia have got Sri Lanka. If either side are going to make the semi-finals, it's a must-win game for both of those teams. I think either one of those teams lose and and they're out. Um, but then you know Sri Lanka have got England the game after that. So if they can beat Australia, uh, they'll go into an England side that that is hurting. They'll have lost two out of their last three. Uh, it's just going to be it's just going to be an absolute uh, delight these next couple of days in the World Cup. How are you feeling about Aussie? Big, as you say, big, big game. They, they've got to get back on track. Sri Lanka's bowling's been all over the place so far in this World Cup. You know, run they're leaking runs. Hey, how are you feeling? Are they, they gonna, are Aussie going to make drastic changes again? Are we going to, you know, what are we going to see from them tomorrow? Do you think it's the bounce back? They've had an enormous amount of criticism over the past couple of days. I mean, Australia have, but they've underperformed. I think you know it is fair to say that that India and South Africa have played some really, really good cricket in their other games, other than the ones where they they sort of towelled Australia up. Um, But Australia's preparation, or or maybe more to the point, the execution of their skills on the field has been below the standard that Australia would set for themselves inside that playing group. And remember that it's a a, a group driven by the players um, and driven by the players setting their own standards through guys like Pat Cummins as the captain they'll be bitterly disappointed that having set the standards for themselves, they've let themselves down. And they really have let themselves down, particularly as far as their out cricket is concerned. The things that we talked about as potentially being issues have been issues through the first two games. Australia have been poor against spin. They have lost wickets regularly um, and without contribution in the middle order. And those are two areas that Sri Lanka can really exploit and put Australia under a lot of pressure. Sri Lanka have enough firepower in their batting lineup, particularly with someone like Kusal Mendes, that can go big against Australia at the top of the order. And that has been a problem for Australia in both games, in that they've had one batter, or, or sometimes two, that's gone on and made a really, really big score against them. And, and Mendes is in great form. 
So there are some real concerns for Australia. We've changed our wicketkeeper. And I think if we're going to make that change, we have to stick with that change. There's no point in flip-flopping back and forth between Kerry and Inglis. If we're going to say that, okay, Kerry is not our man in the middle order, Inglis is, then we're going to have to pick and stick with him now. Otherwise, there was no point in dropping Kerry in the first place. So having made the tough decision, I think Australia have to stick with it. I think it's a case of, you know, same team, better batting, better bowling, better (laughs) catching for for Australia. Honestly, honestly. We need to get more out of our middle order. We've got absolutely zero from them in the first two games. We need to get more from our pace bowlers because other than Hazelwood's performance at the beginning of the India game, we've got not very much from them. We got a little bit. In fact, we got some some pretty pleasing performances from Maxwell with spin, but we haven't got anything from Zampa yet, and our catching's been historically poor. So there's nowhere to go but up for Australia. The, the challenge is going to be, is it going to be too little too late? Because if we lose to Sri Lanka, the tournament's over and we may as well, you know, we may as well just roll out the roll out the second string 11 uh, for the rest of the tournament. Because, yeah, you can't come back from, you can't come back from losing the first three games of a tournament like this and still make the semifinal. Sorry, but it's just not possible. I can't add much to that. I can't add much at all. It's, uh, it's going to be a fascinating game to see how Australia bounce back. Massive congratulations to Afghanistan on, on their performance today. I hope they uh, go out and uh, enjoy themselves and uh, really revel on this win for the next three or four days. Don't do any training before the New Zealand game and, and uh, just go into that game completely cold because we, uh, we we do need to, to make sure New Zealand win that game. But, yeah, thanks again for, for joining us this morning, Baldy. It's been a, a pleasure once again for, for listeners uh, to the show. Look out, we've got another episode for you landing later this afternoon. It's all, it's all coming thick and fast from the Top Water Podcast. It's Mike Hesson, an interview with him. Uh, yeah, excellent chat with him. He's, uh, you know, so impressive as a cricket mind, and um, I certainly learnt a lot from from chatting to him. Just, you know, just throwing in little comments about, uh, you know, tactics and, and all the stuff that I guess just never goes through my my mind as a, a, a cricket watcher, but someone someone like him with such experience... Uh, it's it's a very good listen so I, I do encourage you all to check that out in your feed later on this afternoon but uh, yeah we, we, we'll be back again doing this all again tomorrow and uh, enjoy the rest of, of your day